The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, this is Megan Judge, and you're listening to Judging Megan. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, I had to explain to my mom what a podcast was, and um, it was pretty funny because she, first of all, my mom doesn't understand how to use a Zoom or a computer, or she does now. I've had to do all these tutorials, and she's like, and by the way, when I imitate my mom, she sounds like Carol Baskins, but she really honestly does not sound like this in real life. She's like, Megan, what is a podcast? I need to tell all my friends like Judy and all the ladies at Chico's what uh, what a podcast is and and how and what does that mean? Like, how do is it a radio show? Is it a TV show? No, mom, a podcast is like I had to explain the whole thing to her. I had to help her download it on her phone. So, anyways, thank you, mom, for listening. I love you, mom. We've all been put here for a reason, and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Today's show is, I'm going to tell you, might be a little heavy. Um, There may be some ugly crying on my side and maybe Christiane's side, but she's so beautiful. You, you would mainly see it from my side. Uh, Perhaps some snot bubbles coming out of my nose, like not cute because it's a really heavy subject. And what I would like to start with is kind of give you 
a little bit of a backstory. In the first episode, I talked about trauma and my trauma. And then I kind of just went into the story with my therapist of, you know, her trauma and connected it a little bit. Um, I was, I grew up in a place called Potomac, Maryland, which is right outside of DC. It's a suburb. It's a very, very beautiful place to grow up and live. And Christiane, my guest today is the sister of who's basically my sister too, of my very best friend uh, that passed away when she was 29 years old. And I will tell you that in life, you know, everybody talks about soulmates and, you know, oh, I have a best friend. I have a soulmate. And a lot of times it could be your husband. It could be, you know, I believe it can be friends. I believe people come into your life and I definitely believe in saints. And I will tell you right now that my best friend, Julie was a saint. And so we're going to tell you the story of what happened to Julie. If there's so many people in DC that knew Julie Ellis Lamont and we'll tell you that she was the brightest light that they've probably ever met in their life. I believe that she was my soulmate. I believe I went to a psychic named Tim Braun in Newport, California. And he told me that she was my mother in a past life, which was really, really strange. But in a lot of ways, she really was like a parent to me because I was so screwed up in my childhood and going into my twenties. So I wanna introduce you all to Christiane Ellis Crowder. Hi, Christiane. Hello, Megan. You guys, Christiane is like my baby sister. We grew up, you know, I, I'm going to tell you the story of how I met Julie, Christiane's older sister. And it's actually kind of a really cool story. Uh, Christiane, though, is just the most wonderful person, just like her big sister. And she comes from a family of, uh, of, I will say four, there were four girls in the, in the Ellis household and her parents basically were like my second parents. And I lived at their house, you know, once yep. I met, after I met Julie, it pretty much was considered the fifth sister. Yep. You were. Uh, <laughs> even though you guys didn't always want me around, I pretty much lived there. Yep. I will say to you this, I'm going to tell you this story. I think you've heard this before Christiane, but I'm going to tell it for my audience. So I had lost my father at, at uh, 13 years old. He battled leukemia for nine months of his life. And he went through three rounds of chemotherapy. And my daddy was just the most awesome man that you could meet. He did so much for others. He was an orthodontist in, in the DC area. And, you know, he treated he treated people that were in need. Like a lot of times he would treat the nuns and priests of Georgetown university and in the DC area, no charge. He lived his life to just be a really good person. And he used to tell me be happy by making other people happy, which I try to do in my own life. I'm not perfect at it. A lot of people think I'm a total B I T C H, but I, tr I try like, I think most people try really hard to be kind and do the right thing. 
Sure. I'm going to tell you that Christiane's when, when I met Julie, Christiane's sister, uh, my father had just passed away the day before and we grew up and we, we were lucky enough to go to a, to a country club, a congressional country club in DC. And I lived, you know, my life at that club. I was a kid. I would be dropped off at nine o'clock in the morning for swim practice and picked up on the curb at 5 p.m. at night. You guys both did. Yeah, we lived there. And then we also, when we were teenagers, we were lifeguards. So I was there for many, many years living my life. And it wasn't half bad. It's a pretty cool place to be. But I remember going to swim practice this one morning. It was July 10th. My father passed away on July 9th. And I walked around the circle of Congressional Country Club and I was looking down at the ground and it's, you know, I think half of me, I'm a little girl. I was just newly 13, was in shock at the loss of my dad, even though he fought all those months to live. I was still in shock because I really, it's, it's a hard thing to grasp when you're that young, how to deal with grief. You, you're, you don't know really how to, mm-hmm. and there's no manual when you're that young. And I remember all of a sudden I hear as I'm walking around the circle, this, I see, I hear this man say, are you Johnny judge's little girl? And yeah. the window was down and you had this giant black Lincoln town car and <laughs> he, he put down the back window and he goes, yeah. this is, this is Julie. And yeah. I met Julie, you know, she cut, she pops her head out. She had this giant smile and this beautiful brown wavy hair. Yeah. And she pops her head out and the rest is history. That's how uh-huh. we met. We met the very next day after he died. And I believe that she was sent because she was supposed to, she, she was supposed to help me, you know, yeah. she was supposed to get me through it. And like I said, in a lot of ways, when I went to that psychic, I was like, you're crazy. Like a parent, whatever. She was like a parent to me and we're going to go into <laughs> But welcome. Welcome, Christiane. Well, thank you for having me, Megan. This is so exciting. I'm so proud of you. And I know Julie is just, I know your dad, I know all your angels are just shining down on you right now, thinking about what an amazing job you're doing. And it's, I just so love sweet. you. I just believe, I believe she's here, you know? Oh my gosh. You. Yeah. I believe right. she's here all the time. I've gotten such crazy signs from her. Yeah. So what, what I would like to do is I'm going to try and get through the story from my perspective of what happened to Julie. And then I would like for you to, you know, interrupt me. You know, I could remember things the wrong way. Um, I would like for you to tell your own story. You know, it's so important. I'm doing this podcast to help people be able to understand grief and trauma and navigating how to get through it. And I'm Mm -hmm. telling it from my perspective, but I want you to tell it from your perspective as well, because what it will do is it'll just help people. Sure. So Julie and I were, from the minute we met, we were the best of friends. We we're always in trouble. Well, I was always in trouble. I always have this joke that she was the devil on one shoulder or I was the devil on one shoulder and she was the angel. And yep. she was always bailing me out of everything. And 
from the minute we met at the club when we were what she was a year younger than me. So she was 12 and I was 13. I would just immediately, then I was just at the Ellis's house and all the time. time. (laughs) And for me, it was like, you know, my, my own home had become such a place of, um, hardship. Like I never wanted to be at home. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to, I didn't want to remember what it was like to go home and my dad is gone and, you know, my mom is grieving and Mm -hmm. I wanted to escape it. So when I would go to your house and just hang out, it, there was lots and lots of laughter. Mm -hmm. There was your parents, your mom is like, the most incredible, like she's almost out of like one of those TV shows from like, <laughs> like the fifties, right? Like the yeah. mom, like she would always like want to sit down at the table with us and like chat and like ask yeah. about her day. And, yeah. and, um, and your dad is just, you know, I still give him grief to this day. I call him big brew. And he's like my second dad, both your parents are amazing. And we would just, I, from that moment, I would come into your house and just like be eating out of your pantry, shoving, like shoving food in my face. Like I just lived there. Yeah. We loved it. Really? I loved loved every (laughs) minute of you living there. It was like, like the best time. I like, I can, I can vividly remember laying on Julie's bed and just laughing. Like that's all we did was laugh, laugh. We would laugh and we would just make so much fun of each other. And we would like, Christiane was the little sister. So we would like play pranks on Christiane and we would dress you up. And there was just, it was like genuine, genuine, like happiness and love. So I had moved out to Los Angeles, obviously to become an actress and, um, and pursue that. And I, I left the DC area, um, and came across country in my, in my white Jeep Wrangler that I bought because I'm such a giant tool. I wanted to imitate, I thought I was Cher from Clueless. So I, I moved out here, left DC, thought I was going to become famous. Your sister was like my biggest fan. She would come to like whatever dumb play I did from the minute she we met to come see me sing wherever I was singing. She was my biggest fan and always my biggest supporter. And I think that was one of her favorite things to do is listen to you sing. That was uh, mine too. She loved listening to you sing. She really did. Yeah. Well, she didn't really have a choice because the minute we were in her, her, like she had a Honda Civic and we would just be like in the car, like, and I'd be like, listen, I'm going to be practicing my Mariah Carey hero solo right now. And you're going to have to listen to it. So um, I, I had moved out to LA and, you know, met, I had met my husband who was then my boyfriend in, in my twenties and we were living together and Julie had married Chris, her college sweetheart. And they were pregnant with Logan, who's your nephew, my godson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she was so happy. It had taken her quite a bit to realize like, this is where I want to be. I want to live in DC. I'm ready to have kids. You know, I'm ready to like settle down and this is my life and to have kids in your twenties 
these days is still pretty young, but she was ready and they were very happy. And oh yeah. And I will say that she uh, got called me and I remember I was sitting in my, in my house that I was living in. It was like a bungalow in West Hollywood at the time. And she said, Hey, she used to call me Meg. And she's like, Meg, I'm, I'm letting you know, I'm going into the hospital. I, I'm, you know, I'm about to give birth. And I remember being in my room and, and saying, like in my head, a voice kind of stopped me and said, something's going to happen to her. And I don't know if it was just me being paranoid because of the loss, the amount of loss I had had in my life. But I remember exactly where I was standing. I was standing in front of this trunk, this trunk that I had in my room. And she said, and I said to her, I said, I said, I love you so much. Like, so proud of you. And she said, okay, gotta go. And then I get a call like a few hours afterwards and, or however long it was at the time, it seemed like a few hours. And she's like, she said, Meg, I I had the baby. And she said, I'm not going to lie. It, it hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah it hurt. And I remember I was just like, so relieved to hear from her. Cause I just had this really bad feeling. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I said, Oh, I'm so, Julie, Julie, I'm so proud of you, Jules. I'm so proud of you. And she's like, well, I got to go. I got to go. I have to try and I have to try and feed him. And then I told her I loved her. I said, Mm -hmm. I love you so much. And, Mm -hmm. and that was the last time I ever spoke to her. And she, you tell, you tell the rest because I want you to share like what happened because at this point I already feel snot bubbles coming up. (laughs) Well, um, well, Julie went in to have Logan and, um, she got, um, she got, uh, uh, bacterial meningitis and it went to her brain and, um, she passed away after having him. Um, a couple hours later, she, uh, went and had some seizures and she, um, never woke up from them and was in, um, intensive care. And, um, she just went to God. I feel like at that point she, um, she, she, she did have a lot of pain giving birth to Logan. And I think she there's, kind there's of knew we couldn't talk. There's things that we can't yes. say, by yeah. the way. Um, I, I, I will say Julie did know something was up. She was very concerned about everything that was going to go on while having Logan. And um, she kind of had this feeling. I, uh, at least I, that's how I perceive it. She had this feeling. And I think you know, um, I remember her calling you and talking to you and telling you she had Logan. I was right in that room with her and about to breastfeed him. And, you know, it was, I was very happy to be there by her side at, at that moment. Um, she, she definitely suffered like I do and I, and you do as well with, with panic attacks throughout. Oh, yeah. Throughout yeah. her life, 
Uh And so I think that it was like, like you say, she knew, like it was a weird, a very- She knew something was going on. From my perspective, I believe she knew. She she kept asking me all these questions. And, you know, at the time I was in college where I just graduated college. And I said, oh, Jules, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, you know. Like what so, kinds of questions was she asking? Like asking, you know, asking if she should get an epidural, asking, you know, if she, you know, if she should get medicine or, or all this stuff. So she was, you know, asking everybody. She was very afraid of, of the epidural. So, um you know, when it comes down to it, uh, she kind of had an inkling of something was, was, was up. Um, By the way, I want to add, because when I've told, like, you know, I had two C-sections and I had to have a spinal block for people that are women that are pregnant, that could be listening yeah. to this, you know, I tell this story, but it's the chances are like, you know, if I was able to get a spinal block after losing yeah. my best friend this way, you know, I don't and want you know, people to be afraid. Yeah, I had kids afterwards, um, after Julie passed. And I'll tell you what, I was not afraid. I was, I did not, I got, I got an epidural too. And I was not, I was actually cool, calm and collective. You know, I, I, sure. I, I was, that. My- I was, I was really, I was, I was really wanting everybody to wash their hands that it's cleanliness you everybody you go into the hospital explain why because people don't understand you know they and by the way if you ever want to hear more about this is they did a dateline about what Mm -hmm. happened to julie yeah you can go i believe you can google it under google it julie ellis lamolt was her Uh her was her married last name and part of the story that they had done is about how uh, like dirty hospitals are. Yeah. And at that time people, we didn't have hand sanitizer and people didn't have to wear masks on their face mm-hmm. and everybody could come into a room, right? Your whole family was in the room. Yeah. yeah. While she was getting ready. To, were, were they in the room when they actually gave her the, the epidural? Was that? No, no, uh, no, no. We weren't in the room when she did, when she did that. We were after Afterwards, okay. we were um, okay. for Logan's for Logan's birth. We were, yeah. Okay, so I mean, the chances of this happening, I just want to reiterate, yes, are, are very, very rare. But yes, but it did. It, this did happen, and um, and I, like I said, I was in California, and I got a phone call from my other best friend from growing up, Kara, and it was the next day, and she said. And I remember it was like April Fools or something. And she she called me and she said, Megan, um, Julie, Julie's like basically in a coma. And uh-huh. and you know, you need to come home. And I was like, What? Like, shut up, Kara. Like you're lying. Like that feeling of when you hear these things in life, whether it mm-hmm. be like a shocking, shocking, you know, traumatic. Thing like finding out somebody that's your other part, part of your body, like part mm-hmm. of my body, part, my heart is, is missing since yes. your sister left this world. And a lot of people, uh, Julie had that influence on everybody. And I think a lot of people feel that way, you know, oh, your sister, yeah. like any, like I was telling people before I was doing this podcast, like friends of mine from growing up, Carter and Kara, and just like, a, we were so fortunate to grow up with so I'm um, so many amazing friends. And, you know, 
she was best friends to everybody. Everybody. She, she would walk into a room. You, I don't know one person that can say, oh, I didn't like Julie. Not one person. Not one. I, I don't cannot. know anybody. I mean, I can give you a giant list to people that say they don't <laughs> like me. <laughs> but, she probably didn't like me uh, growing up so much, like wearing her shirt. Oh, she like, loves getting, you. Getting like ketchup stains all over it. <laughs> She's like, no, she, she loves up. you. She <laughs> loved you. And she was like the best sister to you guys. Like she was always yeah, kind of was. like, she was like the middleman that would like fix everything, you know? She was, but, she definitely was. Yeah, she, she, um, she was somebody that like, uh, you know, would just like had this giant smile. She looked like a supermodel. Yeah. She was six feet tall, you know, and funny, like funny and fun and always positive. And just, I was so, we were so spoiled because mm-hmm. in life, it's rare that you meet people like that. And that's why I believe she's gone. You know, I think. I feel like I'm, like I said, I'm really spiritual. I feel like she's an angel and she had to go to another place. You know, she, I believe she's with God. And anyway, so uh, to backtrack a little bit. So she, she had Logan and Logan Mm -hmm. is now, is Logan 17 now? Which is. He'll be 17 in April. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, Logan was healthy and, you know, uh, Chris, uh, Logan's dad, Julie's husband, they ended up, he's happily remarried now and his yeah. wife is amazing. And yeah, she is to have two other little boys and Janine adopted Logan and, you know, Logan's very happy. Logan is amazing now. Logan's exactly like Julie. <laughs> like he's just he looks he has- exactly like her. He has a smile like Julie. He's just kind. He's just a kind, kind, like young adult. He's just, just amazing. He's amazing. Um, and Chris and Janine have done just an incredible job um, with, with everything. And so. let me, and let me ask you what, what was it like? So I know what it was like on my end and I will say, so really quickly, I ended up being told by Kara, basically get on an airplane, mm-hmm. you know, they said, they said, get on an airplane. You have to come back to DC. And at that time I was like a struggling, like cocktail waitress in West Hollywood. I didn't have like two pennies <laughs> together. Yeah. And I got on an airplane. I remember, and the, the flight attendant looked at me and he said, you're going to need this. And he gave me two bottles of vodka because he could just tell. I mean, I yeah. knew I was getting on an airplane to fly cross country because they were going to pull the plug on my best friend's life. Mm-hmm. It was going to be, I was going to have to witness that. Yeah. And I got on the airplane and all I thought about was like, you know, you have this, like I did this weird thing with God where you're like almost bartering saying, please like, let, let her make it. Like, you can't do this to me again. Like if, if you let her live, then I'll do like this, this, and this, you mm-hmm. know, like this can't happen. I can't lose her. Yeah. And I, it go like losing somebody that traumatically 
is just like, there's no real goodbye. There's no, it's just mm-hmm. it's done. It's done and yeah. their soul is gone. So yeah. I, I remember going like going to the hospital and I, and I saw my friend Carter's mom in the lobby and she said, you, I'm going to bring you upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I went upstairs and she was lying there. Mm-hmm. And I remember in my head thinking, cause I had lost my dad and I didn't get to say goodbye to him when he died, but I wanted to remember something about Julie. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at her toenails and she had just had a pedicure. I remember her telling me the story and we were yeah. laughing about it because she was like, I was so, I'm so fat. I can't like see my toes. I'm so swollen, but I wanted my toes to look really good. I want to have a really good pedicure for the baby. I went to, I went on that pedicure adventure with her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were <laughs> laughing. We were laughing about it. Well, the funny part about that, yeah. that uh, um, story is that my dog at the time was like locked up in their bathroom or like in her room at their house. And we get home and we like, we like just got our nails done and pedicure. We get home and Austin literally has like chew uh, through all of her shoes. (laughs) I remember her telling me that. I remember Austin just being (laughs) literally, she's like, where am I going to find size 11 shoes again? Oh, that's something about Julie too. Julie, we used, I used to tease her all the time. She had really big feet yeah. and I would tease her and I would be, and she loved, Julie loved fashion. She loved yeah. clothes and shoes and, um, and she had a size 11 foot and I, and I would tease her and I would say, Julie, one day you're going to own a clothing, a shoe store and you're going to call it shoe mongus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would say, Megan, shut up. That's so mean. Um, but yeah, so, so okay, back to the start. Yeah. So no, that's fine. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So she, um, so, you know, I knew that I was, I was, I had to remember, I had to look at something and remember her Mm -hmm. and I, and that was the thing I remember. And so sometimes like I, I will put that color on my toes and it will remind me of her, you know, Mm -hmm. I remember the color Yeah, and, um, and yeah. And so she was gone. Like they, you know, they had to take her off life support. And then, you know, I remember seeing your older sister, Sherry, and everybody was sitting in the hallway and everybody was in shock. And then you just like go home, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I had my brother-in-law pick me up. I had just gotten off a plane, you know, before I didn't pack anything because I was in shock. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, I was in DC, I had to stay, Mm -hmm. you know, for the funeral and all of that stuff. But What was that like for you? Because I'm telling it from my perspective. What was it like for you to lose your sister like so tragically and then just be like in a hospital and then it was over, you know, and it's like, that's it. So it was really a whirlwind of emotions because you're super excited because she just brought this little human being that she wanted so bad, um, you know, into this world. And, um, I was, I was in the hospital room afterwards. And of course I'm like, I went home and I get, we get a call probably at like, I would say five or six in the morning saying, come back to the hospital, something's up. And so we get home and it was kind of like two and a half days of just whirlwind stuff happening at the hospital. Um, you know, us praying and us just trying to get by having family come into the hospital. Um, you know, it's a whirlwind of emotions. And did you, I, did you think, sorry to interrupt, but did you no. think like, were you holding out hope that there would be some, could, oh. be, could be some kind of miracle? Like you were oh, you yes. denying, like, Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, she, I remember her peeing and we were, we would literally all hold on to that and be like, Oh gosh, she went to the bathroom. This is, this is great news. You know, she's, she's, you know, or, or, you know, squeezing your hand, um, you know, so we were holding on hope so much. And, and during this time, we're also thinking about Logan and Chris Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of us, we had no idea kind of what was going on. So we, um, you know, we just wanted to make sure all all of them were healthy as well too. So we, you know, we, it it was, it was a whirlwind. Um, And then family came and I actually left the hospital when she, um, before she passed, I said my goodbyes and I went home because I didn't want the image of her passing be in my head at all. Um, I had, I gave her a necklace. Um, Steve had given me like this, this heart necklace 
and it had the symbol of strength on it. And I put it in her hand um, uh, the first day that she was in the ICU. And I just sat there and I said, whatever happens, I just want to give you my strength. And, you know, I left and my mom got that necklace back and I have it to this day. It's a very special thing of mine because it was kind of the last thing that Julie held of mine. Um, so it, it was, it was a whirlwind of emotions for all of us. Um, yeah. and we did, we, we clung on every hope that we could get and every positive thing that we could get. And we were in sort of a denial phase because it's supposed to be this happy, wonderful time. And it turned into kind of a sad, um, uh, whirlwind of emotions. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that I remember the next day, just we, for some reason, I, we were in a car with mm -hmm. your mom. I don't even remember where we were going because you don't, you kind of like black yeah. stuff out, but I was yeah, in a yeah. car with your mom, you, and maybe like one of your sisters. And I don't remember where we were going or what we were doing. And you know, when you're, when you go through something like that, for me, like I've been through like, you know, lost mm -hmm. so much in my life. Like, you know, I had lost my dad. I had lost my baby sister really tragically mm -hmm. when I was two years old. Um, and so I, it's almost like I understood that, that that's something that just can happen, you yeah. know? And I understand that like, death can happen and things are going to happen like this in life. But yeah. I don't, I still don't know how to deal with it and talk to people that are going through it. It's almost like I want to run away when I find out somebody passes away and then you're, you know, you have to like reach out to them and yeah. you still don't know the right thing to say, even though you've been through it because it does, you don't want to be reminded of that place because it's such yeah. a dark, dark place to be in. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. For sure. I mean, you, it's hard. I've had friends that have had, you know, parents pass away and, you know, as, as I'm getting older and it's a hard, you just want to be there for them. I feel like that's all you can really sit there to say, I'm here for you because nothing that you can say or do is going to make any sort of pain go away for them. I mean, that's how it is, you know, it's a process that we all yeah. have to go through. It's like one of those things in life where there's there's so much joy in life, right? Like Julie, uh -huh. I believe she watches Logan and is with him all the oh, time. Yeah. Um, but she uh, on earth didn't like, I feel sad that he got cheated and she got cheated that she couldn't watch him grow up. And uh -huh. the joy of like, I mean, I know for me, my happiest moment in my life was when I saw my first baby when I met Sophie, my, my oldest baby. And then yeah. I didn't think I would be happy again when I met Ella, my <laughs> six-year-old, but I was, I was for a second. I was like, wait, I don't think I could ever be as happy with another baby. And I was, yeah. Yeah. and that, that like light and that, that feeling of being a mom and like, you can never understand the love that you have for, you'll have for your children Yeah, is something that it makes me sad that she didn't really have on earth, you know? Of course, um, yeah. So let me ask you how, once that happened, you know, and then like time started to pass, 
Mm-hmm. How were you able to process? Like, how, how did you grieve? Cause they say everybody grieves in stages and like, tell me about what happened with you. I mean, I know your husband, Steve, you're happily married and you have two kids, but yes. how did you, how did you process it? And how did you, how were you able to like, kind of move on in life? Well, so, so it's interesting. I, when Julie was, was here on earth and uh, I was in college. I had gone through major panic attacks and I got put on medicine. And I remember Julie saying to me, Christiane, give yourself a time limit to be on the medicine and um, go through cognitive therapy, get, you know, get your head straight. She's like, and and go off the medicine. So I did, I gave myself 18 months to be on that medicine. And it was um, literally Julie passed away in April and I was and I told myself I was weaning myself off in May. And so I did, I did wean myself off in May and I got off the medicine. Um, but I started drinking a whole lot. I, I drank a ton, um, kind of to escape. And, um, I always tell Kate and he's like my little, like, of course, all children are a blessing, but he literally saved my life. I I feel like I would have been, you know, uh, I, I would have been in a bad place if I, if, if I didn't have, uh, Caton, he kind of turned my life around and, um, you know, so we started, I started, uh, Steve and I started this family and, um, I kind of stopped drinking cause I couldn't really, because I had an infant to take care of. Um, and then I quickly got pregnant with my daughter and I kind of, went into this, instead of drinking, I went into this kind of compulsive, um, and OCD, mm-hmm. uh, phase where, you know, I told myself, uh, you know, you have 45 minutes to exercise and that's when you can sit there and think about Julie. And, um, I started to totally hyper schedule everything, you know, everything had to be done at the same time every single day. And, I kind of used that as a tool um, to get through some of the pain of losing my sister, uh, of losing Julie, and um, of you know coping with every everyday life. Because there's been so many times that I've been, wanted just to pick up my phone, I mean, even to this day, wanted to pick up my phone and call her and talk to her and get her advice on this and get her advice on that and you know tell her about my life and um, I. I, I, I couldn't. And so I think my depression and uh, my anxiety kind of hit an all time high uh, when I started, you know, compulsively working out, you know, totally um, kind of metamorphed into this eating disorder. And um, then I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And at this time, my son had a heart condition and was getting an ablation. And there was just a lot of things going on in my life. And I kept thinking, Julie, where are you? <laughs> you know, and yeah. you, you like, where are you? What? Like, and she was there with me. She was just helping me try to get to the person that I am today. Um, and well, well, that's the thing. I mean, you have to like, I've realized recently in all the crap storm that I've been in that, you know, 
just because they're there and we know they're there. And I believe that God Mm -hmm. is there. Doesn't mean that we have a, it's going to be easy. Like, yeah, I don't care who you are. You know, I remember being a little girl and going to your house and it was, it was a feeling that of safety, you know, like Mm -hmm. I would have a sleepover and be in the, and Julie had two twin beds in her room. And I, of course, like the mooch that I was thought it was my bed. (laughs) And, um, and, but I felt this safety, like this feeling of safety at your house. And I wasn't scared anymore. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that just because, you know, they're there or God's with us doesn't mean we're not going to go through like challenges and continue to go through challenges in life. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking when I would be at your house, God, the Ellis's are so lucky. They have this beautiful house and, you know, like they have the perfect parents and, you know, all the daughters are perfect and everyone's happy. And then, you know, like to think about going back to my house of, you know, my mom had gotten remarried to, I believe the original Dirty John, who was mentally abusive and, you know, that's a whole nother story, but it was, it was, I was so jealous, like, but not in a mean way, but I was like, I want this. I want this to be my family. I want this to be my life. And then look at what happened, you know? And we had our struggles growing up. There was, I mean, you know, everyone does though. Everyone does, but people don't understand that everyone has their struggles. Yeah. You see what's on Facebook. It's all great and dandy, but there's, there's things going on in those people's lives that we just don't know about because they, they're not going to post the, the struggles, you know, who wants, who, you know, who wants to post no, that you about don't, themselves? You don't post like, Hey everybody, it's me. I just gained five pounds. <laughs> Here's my double chin. <laughs> no, I'd probably no. not post that. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to see that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. but it would be great. It would be yeah. great if people were, I mean, I know there's like, I make fun of like the Instagram and say it was the choice between me doing an Instagram showing my fat rolls and, uh-huh. and stretch marks or doing this. I know that there's a lot of women that do that. And I think it's awesome to do that. It's really, oh, yeah. I think it's super empowering. I think it's, you. Know, I, I follow those people. They're great. I do too. I do too. I think it's great. Um, so yeah, so, so go, I'm sorry. I was sorry to interrupt you, but, um, to go back a little bit, you, you were dealing with the whole thing with. So, uh, so dealing with Julie's. So with, with death of a family member, there's never getting over it. You know, there's never getting over it or, you know, a, a, a great friend. There's never getting over it. There's moving on. And um, during this moving on period, I have been super blessed to get so many signs from Julie, like, so like, inc- and like from just incredible signs, knowing that she's here with me. And um, I really thrive on that for sitting there when you say, how do I cope with it? Yeah, I probably coped with it differently at times. Um, but today I always remember that she is here. She is around. I think of all the signs that I've gotten from her. And I think of 
the beautiful people that she's brought into my life. That's, you know, including you and Kara and Carter and, you know, and all these beautiful people that shine a light in my life just by knowing Julie, I just sit there and I think about how blessed I was and, or still am today. And I kind of cope with it that way. You seem like you're in a really good place these days. I am in a good place, but you know, something, something can happen that can, that can bring me down, you know, like the coronavirus was really hard for me at the beginning to like, just like everybody to cope with. Um, and I think that kind of set me back a little bit and I kind of checked out for a month or two and I, I reminded myself, you know, this, this can't bring you down. You have to lift yourself back up. And, uh, that's just what I continue. I continuously say to myself, you're okay. You're going to be fine. You have so many people that you love and that love you back around you. And that's just how I'm going to have to live. That's just how I want to live my life is consistently reminding myself that I am so stinking blessed to be the person that I am and to have the people in my life that love that I love so much and that love me back. Yeah. If she, if she were here today and I believe she's here with us right now, but yeah, here today, is there anything you would say to her? Um, well, I would give her a gigantic hug because I really miss her hugs and I would just take in her smile because she had the best smile ever. And I would say, I love you and thank you for being here with me during this journey of my life. You know, know, Christiane, she would be so proud of you. I mean, she, when we were kids, she used to worry about you and, you know, she would, she worried about everybody, but she worried about you. And she would always say like, oh, I need to go do this because I have to, I have to do this with Christiane or, you know, whatever it was. She always wanted to take care of you or do whatever she could to take care of your mom or your sisters or whatever it was. Um, but she was so proud of you. And the thing is, is I got, I just believe like how proud of you she would be today. I mean, you're an amazing, amazing accomplished human and, you you know, I love you so much. Um, I do want to tell like kind of a funny couple of funny stories, (laughs) Julie, if I could roll those in. So, uh, so Julie loved to make, try and get my goat and tease me like it was her favorite favorite thing and I was I'm just very gullible and I'm easy to tease and then I'm easy to like make mad and then I'll want to get back at someone um but we would we would constantly you know she our friends would like dare me to do stuff and I was always the girl that would be like you dare me to do that okay I'll do it like to the point where I was in trouble a lot of times because like you know they would dare me to like take my cap off and like just like go in the car and like pretend like I just had a shirt on and I would do it and I'd be like have my arms out the window like woo you know I was constantly doing that kind of stuff but but she um 
she also, we, we love to tease each other. And w- one summer we lived at the beach in, um, in Dewey beach, um, in Delaware. And she and I got like gotten so many fights that summer. I was such a pain in the ass in my teens and twenties. I was just like a freaking no oh, way. God, no, I was perfect. <laughs> no, I was like the girl that like, you know, I, all I cared about was like boys and that like, oh, they're all going to regret it someday. Cause I'm going to be famous. You know, like I, I, yeah. I remember growing up in DC, it's very conservative. Like there's a whole lot of whale pants going on. And one night I remember wearing a cowboy hat out to a bar in Georgetown. And I was like, like thought I was like really, really badass. <laughs> and anyway, so Julie, uh, we lived together this summer and this one summer and she, um, you know, she was like a saint, like she always was. And I was such a nightmare. We fought all the time because we were like sisters and I would be like, Julie, you need to do this or whatever it was. And then at the end of the summer, I remember you guys, you always went to duck North Carolina at the end of the summer as a family. And I was still at the living at the beach and she sent me this card. And I remember getting this card in the mail and I still have it to this day. It's one of my favorite things. And it's, um, it's a, it's a card and it's like, Megan, like, I'm sorry, we didn't get along this summer. Like she was basically taking the blame. Whereas I was the one that was a total nightmare and just like, was horrible. And it was on the cover of the card was a hippo and a bird. You know, there was like a hippo (laughs) and a bird sitting on the hippo's stomach. And then she said, she wrote this whole like nice card at the end. She wrote, P.S. You're the hippo. (laughs) (laughs) She would always have to get like the last word. And she's, she was just so funny and, you know, and nobody else could get like, you you guys thrive off each other though. You guys, I can remember being little and of course, like me being curious about kissing boys and, uh, I can remember sitting in our kitchen and you're like, well, do you know what butterfly kissing is, is? Julie's like, yeah, Christian, do you know what butterfly kissing is? And I was like, no, what's butterfly kissing? And you guys no, and also we said China kissing. We China were like, kissing, you know, do you know what a China kiss is? Like we yeah. were making up stuff. China kissing, that's what it was. Yeah. Like, what did you guys say China kissing was though? I was like, I don't know. We so made up something really dumb because we were just trying to like tease you and be like, you don't, you yeah. mean you don't know what that is? And I was like, I know what French kissing is. What's China kissing? It's interesting though, that you just brought up butterflies. So on the cover of my podcast, I, I would like to mention this because it's like, I don't want people to be like, Oh, judging Megan. And then there's like a butterfly. Like I love butterflies. It actually, to me, butterflies are a great, a big symbol to me in my life. And I read this book. It's one of my favorite books. It's called The Wheel of Life. And the author, his name is uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And Uh she also wrote on death and dying. And in the concentration camps, uh, she tells a story about in the concentration camps, uh, they would go into the gas chamber. And after the people had died, you know, tragically, they had found all these like etched butterflies that they had done with their fingernails when they were getting ready to die. And Mm -hmm. I remember reading that book. I think this was 
before even losing Julie. This was like mm-hmm. in my teens mm-hmm. and maybe it was after, but ever since then I have loved butterflies because they were a sign of rebirth to me. Yeah. And then when I lost Julie, my, I came back to LA after, you know, going through the whole, like us going to the funeral and all of that stuff and just flying home and just having to try and start my life knowing mm-hmm. that she was gone. And my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time was like, let's go to Mexico. So we went to, at that time, it was safe to drive from LA to Rosarito, Mexico. And we crossed, you know, the border and we stayed in this cute little town. And we were with a bunch of actor friends that were so funny. Our one friend, Stephen Bowman's hysterical and just like a group of us. And, um, and they could always make me laugh. Like, that the kind of laughing where you're crying, like Julia yeah. did. Yeah. And I remember driving over the border and seeing butterflies everywhere, everywhere. Cool. And I knew it was a symbol of Julie that she was mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. And then throughout my adult life, I, I have always connected, like seeing a butterfly that it was Julie coming to visit me. And I had gone to this psychic and they, they told me, oh, this was later. Anytime you see a butterfly, that's Julie. So the connection with me with butterflies n- makes me feel like she's always there with me. Yeah. I, I, I believe she's here with both of us. I believe she's here with everybody. You know, I believe that every person that you know, kind of has an obstacle in their life, can talk to her and she'll come. I know she will. She She's done it for me multiple times. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people will say, oh, I have a jewel, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Heather was like, I, I have a, jewel, a, fr- a dream about Julie. Like she comes and visits me once a year, you know? That's so cool. So to be loved by that many people is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, in closing, I just want to tell you how much I love you. What a I love you more. beautiful human being you are and how proud I am of you. And I just want you to know that I believe she's with us right now. Yeah. Well, and she's not. She, she's definitely keeping me from ugly crying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that I don't have snot bubbles coming down yeah. my face and I could get through this is something. Um yeah. But I'm excited. Like this year is Logan's graduation yeah. from high school. And God willing, could we get through this COVID, I'm yeah. going to do that graduation. Yeah. And Kara and Carter, like all of our friends, we're all like, we're going and we're supporting yeah. Logan. And he's such an amazing, it's so great to like see that he's doing well. Yeah. And I just love you so much. And I love you and I'm so proud of you. And I know Julie's so proud of you when she's here with us. I know. So in closing, I just want to say, keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. 
visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.